Welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. And uh, we're coming to you this Sunday right after Thanksgiving. Everybody had a safe, socially distanced, and ultimately uh, nourishing day of thanks. That's that's wonderful. And uh, I, I wish the same thing. And it's just funny because the weather has really changed over the last week. And uh, our guest today is Rachel Stevens from Sweet Woodland Farm, who uh, is involved with all, like just about all the farmers markets out here in one way or another and works with the Peconic Land Trust, works with the uh, ECI Ecolo- Ecological Cultural Initiative in Hampton Bays. And, you know, it's just I just woke up this morning, Sock, and I, and I just got this feeling like the the earth is taking a nap. Like this is the time. Yeah, well, you know, like so. So what? You know, when I moved back from California, um, I, you know, I, before I left, I was a little bit too young and, and ignorant to really appreciate the seasons. When I moved back, I was so um, more aware of how fall and winter is. It's you could say it's a nap, it's hibernation, but that that it's all the life is still here. It's just goes into a more kind of seasonal dormant uh, cycle and uh, how beautiful it really uh, uh, looked when I saw it through fresh eyes. Yeah, that's, um, that's an amazing way of putting it. And just to paint a little bit of a picture here, um, I'm, I'm sitting on Rachel Stevens porch at her farm uh, in Hampton Bays and I'm drinking Tulsi tea Tulsi that she planted, grew, harvested, dried, and there's a little honey in it, honey from her bees, uh, and it just couldn't be, uh, I'm freezing my ass off, but besides that, it's real spiritual, so. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, and I know when we, we invite Rachel on that, that she is uh, a, a master at uh, homesteading and, and at uh, cultivating, and, and that's, it's always humbling and inspiring, and I always, uh, after I deal with or talk with people like Rachel, I'm always like, I'm going to do that. And then, you know, if I like carry my bags into the supermarket, I'm like, I'm proud. You know? <laughs> I totally get you. I feel you, dog. I know. And it, it, it is that when I first met Rachel was uh, when I first moved back here myself. So it was about, it's got to be like 10 years ago. And I took some chicken, like chicken keeping 101 classes with her and yeah. jam making. And, you know, nothing gives you more of a sense of, of safety than being able to provide for yourself. And I think. Yeah, and Rich, you told the story again in a previous chapter of your life when, when maybe things weren't as, as uh, sunny or shiny, how uh, you were able to, you, know, you got great solace in knowing that you could provide for you and your family uh, more uh, 
organically or off the land. And the truth is that uh, Rachel Stevens was a huge part of that. And mm. I really want to thank you. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, God. Sock, ever since I came back. Oh, we're, we're, we, are, we are taping this before Thanksgiving, so it's hard to say how was your Thanksgiving. But, but uh, let's, let's, you know, and, and it's going to be on Sunday after Thanksgiving, so people have already kind of navigated the weekend. I certainly hope, I want to go back to this, just that, you know, everybody shows their love and connection by, uh, by virtually hugging or staying away from each other. It just seems like we are really in uh, a zone of, of needing to be a little bit more conscientious. Yeah, Your I, can hear, I can hear Alex dog Scooby obviously has a little Scooby treat. So that's it. real life, dude. Those mice make a lot of noise. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to take a little break and come back with our guest, Rachel Stevens of Sweet Woodland Farm. You're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow on 88.3 WLIWFM, Long Island's only NPR station. Serving Eastern Long Island and Coastal Connecticut, this is 88.3 WLIW-FM and WLIW.org slash radio in Southampton, New York, Long Island's only NPR station. Your source for news, music, and entertainment, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We're back. Sunday's on the East End. And um, Alec, uh, we were just now talking about uh, providing for ourselves. And you're, it's fun, funny that you are, um, you're one of my oldest friends. And, you know, I don't say that enough. We don't talk about that as much now. And we've both been through so many cycles of providing. Have you, have you ever attempted to like garden or prep like, like Rachel Stevens from Sweet Woodland Farm? Um, yeah, you know, I, I did some herbs at one point, but I, um, I don't have a green thumb. I do remember as a kid going to green thumb and picking strawberries. Oh yeah. I, cool. it, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but no, I don't have a green thumb organically. And, and I, I tend to, I tend my garden in the mind and tend my garden in, in the soul. <laughs> and, uh, that is a cop out answer. I know, but here's the thing. What, what I have done you know, since we last uh, spoke with Rachel, is I've I've become more plant based in my diet, and I've become uh, you know uh, less factory uh, food driven. So I'm you know I'm I'm moving, progressing, 
pushing towards trying to be more sustainable. But no, I'm not, um, I'm really, uh, you know, I, I, I would kill a, a fern. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to bring Rachel on to talk a little bit about what she's up to. So hi, Rachel. Hi. Um, so that that's interesting when you say you don't have a green thumb. Um, I was actually talking to Kiara, who is um, Bridget's future daughter-in-law. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, how uh, are we growing the plants? And what I told her is, is I don't feel like I'm actually growing plants. I'm just providing for them what they need, and they're doing the growing. I have the same conversation about uh, bees. I, I sometimes teach these uh, beekeeping courses to kids, and they'll say that the bees give us honey. Um, and I always have to correct them. They're actually not giving us the honey. They're making the honey, and we're stealing it from them. So we, we shouldn't say that we uh, are doing the growing. We shouldn't say that we are making the honey. It's that we're providing the the right situation that we can um, benefit from it. So it's so European. Somebody else does work and then we steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, when I actually saw how much honey a bee uh, produces in its lifetime it is stunningly small compared to the amount of honey that's consumed in the world so uh there's a lot of when they say busy as a bee i mean there's a lot of bees providing uh that little sweetness in your uh in your food and drink those poor worker bees they live maybe three days during the busy season so they literally work themselves to death that sounds like a, a good sort of like hyperbole to describe um you know, life in the Hamptons, like they get three days, like in the Hamptons is three months, everybody works really hard. <laughs> yeah, not this year, not this year, everybody's here. Those bees have stayed until November. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I want to ask uh, Rachel a, a little bit about, you know, her own journey, because uh, it's not an easy life, basically making everything yourself. And and you were brought up in Springs, you're, you're a local girl. What made you pursue this this avenue? So when I made the decision to stay home with the baby, who is now my 17-year-old son, <laughs> who's hanging out with Bing today, uh, you know, finances got a little tight, and um, I wanted to learn how to cook as much as I could, which is obviously uh, more affordable than if you were buying takeout every night. Um, and then I wanted to be able to preserve what I was cooking. If there was an abundance of soup, for example, instead of throwing out the extras, I wanted to know how to can it or at the very least freeze it so it wouldn't go to waste. And then I thought, well, you know, I have a background in horticulture. I may as well grow these vegetables too. And then I know 100% where they're coming from. Uh, I know how it's been grown. I know it's been or, uh, organically grown. And from there, I mean, it, it all just kind of <laughs> went, went down one brick at a time. Um, from there, I wanted to, to raise my own chickens so we could have our own eggs. And chickens and vegetable gardens kind of have this symbiotic relationship where the chickens are receiving the scraps and the weeds from the garden, and we're taking their manure 
um, and fertilizing that garden, but also enjoying their incredible eggs. I ate a couple this morning. Yeah, your house smells really good today. She just, she ate before I arrived, but didn't offer me any. Also very European, by the way. Um, to, to go back to, to this philosophy though, with each new endeavor that you tackle, it seems like your philosophy is, is to figure out what part you can play in, in not only the sustainability, but the, the, the growth and the harvesting of things, right? I mean, that uh, you're not growing them, you're providing them. Right. So this, this, uh, I would say that every year is a new chapter in my life and I'm learning and growing from every aspect of this, um, this homesteading lifestyle. Um, so, you know, our neighbors didn't like the fact that we had a rooster and I started to realize that I really needed more land um, that might be a little more private and uh, to continue to grow my chicken flock in which now I have ducks and I also have sheep and I have goats um, and a much larger vegetable garden. But then something really interesting happened is wildlife started to take over. So where I am now and um, Alec can see behind me, I'm, I'm in the woods and across the street I have the Pine Barrens Preserve. So I feel like I've moved in on uh, someone else's land, which I have. It's the deer are here, the birds are here, the, the chipmunks are here. I even have flying squirrels. I have yeah. bats. I have everything you'd be surprised that would exist on Long Island lives here. I, there's probably even a skunk nearby. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, now you're teasing me. No. I love skunks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's amazing. And, and is that, would you say that that's actually indicative of every acre of Long Island if it was left to its own devices? Or is it, are you just in a unique place because it's the Pine Barrens? You live in a very abundant place and you see all this wildlife uh, and, and live amongst all this wildlife. And is it the yeah. Pine Barrens or is it really something that uh, is all through Long Island uh, and yet because of communities and stuff, it, it doesn't really have a natural home? Well, just being here and observing, like Bridget and I just noticed these blue jays like arguing with each other in the trees here. Um, I'm noticing what Long Island used to be. I, I honestly didn't have an issue with the deer coming into my garden until I want to say three years ago when there was a three acre plot that was just leveled. And that was um, through the woods on the other side of uh, my neighbor's driveway. And now I have a family of deer who have been eating my fruit trees and everything in sight. And Long Islanders tend to call the deer a nuisance and that I've they heard, become- I've heard rats with antlers. And that they've become overpopulated. And I would argue that. Um, I think it's the humans that are the nuisance and we're the ones who are overpopulated. Well, 100%. I mean, if you actually think about uh, all the potential uh, crises and issues uh, in the future, the, the potential for a yeah, sixth mass extinction in the next century, uh, I think it'd be fair to say uh, humanity uh, is, is causing it by its sheer uh, numbers. You know, like that, that we've gone in the last 90 years from about two or three billion people to about seven billion people on this planet. Absolutely. I think that we're... Uh, 
we're, we're the culprits. Well, Rachel found a way to think outside the box, her, her own box of Sweet Woodland Farm, and is now also farming in Southhold uh, on land provided by the Peconic Land Trust. And I think that's a good place probably to take a little break and come back and talk about that. Yeah, I would like to talk if, if, when we come back about your growth. So you go from growing to farmers markets to having actually a thriving business. And that'd be a wonderful uh, journey to, to discuss. Yeah, we'll talk about that and the upcoming uh, winter's farmers markets at the ECI in Hampton Bays. We're talking with Rachel Stevens of Sweet Woodland Farm. And uh, you have a website at sweetwoodlandfarm.com. That's easy. You're listening to Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. And this is Alex Sokolov. We'll be right back. I'm Meg Noonan, inviting you to join me on 88.3 WLIW-FM for Freeform Radio at its new time every Sunday night from 9 to 11. You'll hear a lively mix of rock in all its glorious subgenres, plus a heavy dose of soul, R&B, and more. So tune in to Freeform Radio, where variety reigns supreme, Sundays at 9 p.m. on 88.3 WLIW-FM and WLIW.org slash radio, Long Island's only NPR station. back Sundays on the East End. We're talking with uh, Rachel Stevens of Sweet Woodland Farm about uh, sustainability, uh, ecological initiatives. And um, we were just now talking about the deer and how they encroach on property or are we the ones doing the encroaching? I'll let everybody figure that one out. But you, um, you've found a new way of dealing with it. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? And tell us about Frederick as well. <laughs> so so just this spring, uh, I thought I would be able to finally have uh, a garden that the deer weren't eating. Um, we put up an, an eight-foot fence around a, a fairly large pl uh, plot. As soon as it was finished, now we see Frederick, our, our new resident. He's the groundhog. Wow. So if anybody is familiar with how a groundhog is, once you have it, it's nearly impossible to keep them out of the garden. They tunnel really deep. So <laughs> once again, nature is telling me this is probably not going to work out so well for me here. Um, and I'm fine with that. Uh, and instead of fighting against nature, 
I'm, I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to move my operation to somewhere that is more well-suited and has been used as farmland already for over 100 years. And that's where I found the Peconic Land Trust has a program called Farms for the Future, um, where I put in an application as a new farmer. And this, this th no, this was last year, I started with one acre plot. And uh, this year I farmed two acres. So um, and where, where uh, is that physically? So I'm in Southhold, but we're also, they have farmland also in Amagansett that is part of that same program. And I believe in Brentwood as well. So on my plot, I'm growing mainly medicinal herbs. Um, so that's one of the uh, sort of homesteading ideas is how to take care of yourself medicinally as well using uh, natural remedies. So I make products with the herbs that I grow. I sell them as is, uh, including this delicious Tulsi herb tea that we're drinking together right now. Let me, that, let me ask you something, Rachel. So, and how, how did you make the move from kind of uh, providing for yourself and your family to uh, having a business? How, like, how'd you grow that? Um, I think it's just in, it's either in my genetics or it's because I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I, I need to feel success. You know, before that, I, I, I wanted to also share what I've learned on my journey, um, just from teaching myself or watching amazing YouTube channel or uh, reading books on homesteading uh, skills. So um, I'm going to continue to teach people what I've learned. And I think this winter, uh, through the Ecological Culture Initiative, which is my nonprofit organization, we'll have a series in uh, homesteading skills. So you'll be able to access that online through our website. And that's ECINY.org. Yeah, I, that's another thing. When when I came back and I had to be more self-sufficient because we'd had the bankruptcy and everything, and I was taking classes with Rachel, it wasn't just chicken keeping and preserving. I took knitting here. I mean, she's she's an all all purpose. We we mated our bunnies and had baby Angora bunnies for the wool. You know, now I've gotten back into I guess kind of the daily grind of not doing that and getting to the point where I hire people to like you know, pull the weeds out of my garden and stuff. And All right, okay. so for, for, a, uh, for a green thumb like myself, <laughs> what, what can I do to get started on a project that I can see the results and, and be encouraged to do more? So if we're talking gardening, our nonprofit organization, again, the Ecological Culture Initiative, we're based in Hampton Bays. Uh, we have a seed library. So now you have no excuse, Alec. You need to come to our seed library and pick out any vegetable seeds you so desire. We um, are given donations every year from. You can literally just they're go free. There and help yourself. And where and where is this again? Okay, so we're in Hampton Bays at 81 Lynn Avenue. It's actually on the grounds of the St. Joseph Villa. We have a beautiful vegetable garden there where we're going to be, you know, once this pandemic passes, we'll have uh, in-person workshops on how to grow yourself. And so I have a, um, uh, a silly desire to, um, you know, some might think it's silly, but this is my dream 
is to one day walk down a street in Hampton Bays and see every front yard planting with, pl planted with something edible, whether it's for human consumption or for the wildlife. Um, because this, is, this uh, front lawn thing, is, it's not good for our environment either. Right, so that's the, when, did, when did lawns become a thing? Like, and, and I'm asking that maybe it's a rhetorical question, but like, I, you know, you grow up and, and you hear about lawns, you see lawns, everybody has a lawn. I had a lawn when I had a house. It's, and, and they're really uh, almost like a, uh, an insult to the natural world, you know? <laughs> Judy has something to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted an edible front lawn as well. And that's a really interesting question. I wonder when lawns did become a thing. I'm thinking of like hillsides in England where the grass naturally grows and you see those rolling hillsides. And maybe people just wanted to have a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, in their city, you know, to bring a little bit of that and somehow golf courses I'm thinking I mean I don't know I don't know why green grass is such a big deal when it's really kind of so harmful that's right no but like like you know the water the the products the materials uh everything it's it's a lot to basically get especially uh you know for a lot of people you know just uh, half a year of something pleasant to look at when indigenous plants and indigenous uh growth uh is is, is more beautiful everybody wants that Yes. anyway and and it would be uh, more healing to the island well it's it that's something that rachel can also expound on rachel uh, stevens from sweet woodland farm we're speaking with because you use natural methods i mean do you want to talk a little bit like and i mean a little bit don't go off on a rant on hugel culture and explain what it is i knew that would get her really excited i was just gonna say let me tell you all about the hugel culture <laughs> what hugel so uh h-u-g-e-l K-U-L-T-U-R, Hugel culture. Yeah. So so am I talking about Hugel yeah. culture now? Well, now you have to. <laughs> so this is, um, it's actually a German word, and it means uh, mound bed. So um, it literally looks like a mound, or a, 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 some people have said it looks like a, like a, a grave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the idea behind this is to use as much of the material on your own property as possible. And I looked to this because again, I'm always looking for ways to do things that are affordable. And I didn't want to bring in too much material uh, from other locations. I, I don't know what had gone into that compost that I'm bringing into my property, which is really hard. Um, uh, a lot of people like to throw uh, everything from their property into these composts, including uh, herbicides, pesticides that might have been on their lawn. So instead, because I'm in the woods, I have a, an abundance of free organic material to use in my gardening. To make the hugel culture, uh, usually you want to start by digging a hole. Um, and in that hole, you're going to put in logs, usually lo rotting logs already, which has the mycorrhizal fungi in it already and the cycle, uh, soil microorganisms. On top of the logs, you're going to layer branches and then dead leaves, compost, manure, which I'm getting from my farm animals, and then you can top that with the topsoil that came out of the hole originally. As the material in the hugel culture is breaking down, it heats up. And that 
makes the seeds germinate faster. Um, the material is holding onto the water better, almost like a sponge. And it, as it's breaking down, it's releasing nutrients. So these hugel cultures can last 10 years and you can keep growing in them year after year without adding additional material. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I just think that's so amazing. And how, how deep does the hole have to be? Um, only a foot is fine. You can, go, you can go deeper. I've seen some of these hugel cultures are taller than me. It depends on how you want to go about it. Mine are usually maybe two feet tall when I'm done. But they're very long because you have a whole, like a whole tree trunk, like a whole tree that fell down. You can have it go all the way down. So it's like, it's like a row in a, in a garden. But it's just, it's just part of what I find so fascinating about our guest, Rachel Stevens, because she doesn't just like, it's not like she's just planting stuff. It's she's learning about, you know, sustainable methods of planting. And now over at, what is the name of the farm on, on, in the South Olds? They call it Charnu's Farm. Yeah. And it's been farmed for over 100 years. Um, it was farmed 100 years ago, and then it lay foul for quite some time. I'm not sure at what point Peconic Land Trust acquired that particular parcel. Um, but since then, they've been leasing the one-acre plots out to beginning farmers to try to encourage and continue farming on Long Island. Yeah, and, and also I think, you know, a, a, much, a much deeper conversation that, that nobody really is comfortable talking about, uh, but, but really we, we do have to kind of become more sustainable uh, and, and look at the, the energy that comes from the sky, the energy that comes from the sun and the wind, the energy that comes from the water, and, and try and incorporate all of that into something that, that uh, is kinder to, to nature because uh, the clock is ticking on, on uh, the world not being as sustainable for people. Yeah, I heard um, something so beautiful yesterday, uh, which was, you know, whether you believe it or not is, is another thing, but that trees absorb all of the energy that the sun gives them. And that's why we use wood for fire, because it's held all of the energy of the sun. And then when we light a tree or light wood, it combusts all of the energy from the sun that it's held for all of those years. And I thought that was just so beautiful, whether it's, you know, a, a fable or, or real or whatever, it just shows how unbelievable. That just made my head explode. <laughs> I just thought it was a beautiful thought. I mean, if you think about it, right, the sun is, is a source of energy in our solar system and, and it throws out, you know, you can almost turn it into calories. I think I've, I've seen people talk about that. It throws out this, this massive amount of energy and then our planet absorbs it however it absorbs it and then it kind of goes up the food chain however it goes up the food chain, but it's still a transference of energy. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel is. I don't know how to respond? She's speechless. No, that's. All right, let's go back to this. Why do people? Why do people pick up their leaves in the fall? Aren't the leaves part of like a cycle? Yeah. Can you see behind me? We haven't done any fall cleanup. <laughs> it's not out of laziness, yeah. but the wildlife needs the leaves. You know that, and actually, the trees are dropping the leaves to uh, protect their own roots and to feed and nourish their own roots. So there is a reason for this to happen. You know, I, I usually wait to do a- That's very egocentric of trees. So like, <laughs> They're so smart. They're just smart. worrying about themselves all the time. Honestly, I think trees are smarter than humans. 
Yeah, there's uh, I, I, there's a couple of books I've been reading lately, The Hidden Life of Trees and The Overstory that uh, really give you pause about, you know, trees communicate with each other. They just do it a lot slower than we do. Anyway, time to take another break. And when we come back, we can talk about farmers markets and the season, whatever, whatever you guys are up for. Listening to Sundays on the East End, this is Bridget Leroy. Yeah, Alex Sokolow. And we're coming to you on 88.3 WLIW-FM. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to 88.3 WLIW-FM, Long Island's only NPR station. Sundays on the East End, and we're talking with Rachel Stevens of Sweet Woodland Farm in Hampton Bays. Looking around, I'm, I'm sitting outside with Rachel. Alec is in his comfy, cozy nook in Noyak. Where am I nook? I'm a schnook in a nook. Schnook in a nook in Noyak. <laughs> and uh, we're just talking about farmers markets because they're kind of all coming to a close now, but you, you have a couple of winters farmers markets coming up, don't you? Yeah, um, and the West Hampton Beach Farmer's Market, I heard, is going to go until December 19th. The Southampton Market is also coming to a close. We do have a few uh, holiday markets that will happen. Uh, the Southampton Chamber of Commerce will have one the last weekend of November. Um, and then the Ecological Culture Initiative will have their holiday market, or calling it a holiday maker's market, um, that will be at the St. Joseph Villa at 81 Lynn Avenue in Hampton Bays um, during the first and second weekends of December. So everything at the market will have uh, locally processed, meaning like uh, delicious soups made with local produce, fresh baked goods, uh, handmade items, including like these beautiful um, wooden cutting boards, 
Um, you can find my, my herbal remedy products there. Um, we have some local artists, including Matt Rayner, who will have his, uh, his beautiful prints will be for sale there. And we have a few other local artists who will be in attendance. Um, so we're trying to promote a small business, locally made, uh, handcrafted items. And you know, all of these things are better for the environment. I actually want to bring up, um, you know, because I know that this isn't just a business for you. I want to get back to your passion because like this, um, I don't know if you can see this, Alec, and I know our, our audience can't. It's popcorn made from like glass gem corn. It's all different colors. And, you know, we're friends, uh, Rachel and I, so we, we're Facebook friends and everything. And I, I know how excited you get when you discover something new. And this year with, with these, uh, with these, with this corn, you were like so excited. Right, let's, talk, let's, let's, talk, let's talk popcorn for a second, all right? So, so how did you find this popcorn? What do you do to make popcorn? Can any corn be popcorn? Or do you need a specific kind of corn? No, you need a, a specific type of corn. So this glass gem um, was developed by crossing two different types of corn. And what's unbelievable about this one is every time you shuck an ear, it's different than the last. They're all beautiful, multicolored, and they shimmer like glass. So they're both decorative, but turns out there's a bonus. It's also edible. So once you let it dry out long enough, you throw it in your air popper like I did last night, and it pops. And what I also found about this is that after eating it, I felt like I ate a meal. It was much more filling and satisfying than your normal light popcorn. And, and, and why, why is that? I, I would imagine it was just the variety. Uh -huh. It's just the variety. It's different than what we're used to. Orville Redenbacher. Right. And who, uh, you know, obviously is, is very famous uh, and may or may not have been a good human being, but he definitely knew how to make a lot of popcorn. <laughs> um, so here's the thing though, so you dry it out. How, I'm asking this again, like, like it, maybe one day in, in the future, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wanna make popcorn from the starting line to the finish line. So you get a specific kind of corn. Do you, do you cook the corn or you just kind of take it off the shuck? Cook the corn. Well, <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm again, this is, I would kill. I would kill a fern. I like. I am not. I am not. This is not like something that I do naturally well. So you want to look for a a good seed su seed supplier. Um, I found this one from Baker Creek, who has the majority of what they have are heirloom varieties. Explain explain what an heirloom variety is for people who may not know. Right. So this is a a variety that has been um, preserved for hundred years or more. And what would be different than that is a hybrid variety where you're crossing two varieties together to come up with a brand new one. Um, what heirloom varieties, you hear? That's, that's Pierre, he's my new rooster. I'll introduce you to him after the interview. <laughs> So heirloom varieties uh, have actually more nutritional content than hybrid varieties do. Hybrids are okay, and they definitely have their benefits. If you're shopping in a grocery store and you're buying tomatoes, most likely that's a hybrid tomato. 
it will store longer it will travel a lot better um, less likely get it to get smushed but the downside is it the flavor is terrible the texture is awful so getting from from your favorite of popcorn i'm going to go to my favorite of tomatoes since she brought it up okay um, let's go so i mean that just brings me to the whole idea of the farmers markets around here which are of course kind of winding down but um you know, it's incredible the difference between tasting, you know, a tomato that comes from the supermarket, even if it's marked organic, it's it's come a long distance and, and having one that's just been picked here. It's just one of the great joys of going to farmer's markets out here. Um, and I guess through the winter, uh, you can them, you can can your tomatoes. And I just want to ask, because we have this glass gem corn that we're talking about, and it's it's purple and red and yellow and orange, and it's so beautiful. What are some other really interesting discoveries you've made in your farming life where, where you've gone, ooh, this is just so beautiful? What has amazed you? So, so should we talk about my new favorite herb again? So we're drinking Tulsi tea. The plant itself is just gorgeous. Um, if you come to my farm and you see when it's in full bloom, it'll be covered in honeybees and the honeybees are coming from my, my beehive right nearby. It has such a, an, a strong scent that when you're walking past it, you can smell it. I, I can't even describe it. Some people have told me it reminds me them of bubblegum. Not really sure. Um, it is very floral. I mean, you're drinking it now. It, now that you say bubblegum, that's like all I can taste. So thanks. <laughs> so this has turned out to be my, my best herb. It, it produces really well. It just keeps growing. We cut it. We harvest it. We, we dry it in, in the barn. And it just keeps going. And it's known also as holy basil. And it's considered a very spiritual um, plant for opening the, um, your third eye if you're interested in opening another eye on your, on your forehead. So <laughs> throwing that out there. Right. I think the monks drink it often. Right. Yeah. I don't know anything about monks. Okay. <laughs> no, but Tulsi, I, I, I have enjoyed a, a mug or two of Tulsi and uh, it is a delicious tea. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you grow it. Anybody can grow it. You dry it, anybody can dry it, and then you drink it. That's right. What are its properties or its benefits that, that make you so amazed by it? So what's interesting is, so I have this herb, and I have pounds and pounds of this dried herb, and um, I just mentioned to a group of friends of mine that my uh, blood pressure has been elevated. I wonder why. So uh, Mary Beth Sally actually told me, oh, uh, you should be drinking Tulsi and you should be drinking a cup of it every day. So here I am, I'm drinking a cup of it every day. Um, I, I know that it's also very good for upper respiratory issues. So we're, we're coming into flu season again and um, uh, it, it definitely works if you're feeling congested. Uh, it clears up a headache. My husband gets migraines, so he, he drinks a cup of it when he, he's feeling that. And oh, I just want to give a shout out to some of your other products because you mentioned flu season. And of course, it's been a very, 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 very long season of virus. And now we're coming into the flu season. But you make two things that i'm not kidding when she shows up at the farmer's markets with this stuff sock it flies off the shelves and i guess people can get it from you privately but uh you know what i'm talking about your elderberry syrup and your fire cider 
Have you ever had fire cider, Alec? Uh, no, I have not. Not intentionally. <laughs> no, I, I've, I've had cider that felt like fire leaving me. but uh... <laughs> Not quite the same. Well, this might, but yeah, can you describe about, about your different uh, products? Yeah, so are you going to see Alec? Because if you are, I'll give you a, a bottle to, to hand to him. So the directions are on the bottle. Swag, full disclosure, swag. <laughs> <laughs> Bribing us with fire cider. So it's a really strong tonic. Um, I want to say more than 50% of the ingredients are grown on my farm. You start with uh, raw apple cider vinegar. And to that, I'm adding horseradish, onion, garlic, hot peppers, rosemary, turmeric, ginger, um, and then honey comes in later. So you want to infuse this for at least a month. And I do four gallons at a time. Um, and I'm shaking them every day. And when the time has passed, I'm going to strain out all of that good stuff. And some people actually dehydrate it and use it as an additive in soups, which is brilliant. because You know, you don't want to waste anything. Um, I throw mine in the compost because I don't have time for everything. So it keeps your immune system strong. Everything in there is antibacterial, antiviral. Um, it also, if you're feeling like you're coming down with a flu, you know, sometimes you wake up and you just know you're coming down with something, you feel kind of run down. You take a shot of that and you get an immediate boost of energy. Um, if you're feeling chest or sinus congestion, it clears it up in an instant. I mean, you can imagine. That's why it's called fire cider. It kind of kicks your ass. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's not, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody chugging it. It is intense. It is like seriously intense stuff. But it sounds it, amazing though. I mean, it's, it's especially now, I mean, like we're all, you know, consumed with, with trying to stay healthy, not, you know, not trying to over, overrun the health care system because of COVID. And certainly, uh, you know, illness and infection and viruses of other ilk don't stop. And if you can do something at home and stay healthy and know that you, you can have a quick turnaround, sounds uh, like an incredible product. I would say that um, the fire cider is great for adults. I mean, it's probably, it's great for everybody, but you'd probably have an easier time getting her elderberry syrup into a child because it is delicious. And I want to drink the whole bottle every time I get it. And you're only supposed to have a <laughs> teaspoon or something. Yeah. So the elderberry syrup, the kids are going to take it willingly because it is fruity and it's sweet. It has um, the elderberries. Hi, it has. Baldwin. And you're listening so to I am growing elderberries on the farm. We're in the first FM, season of it, and we Long haven't Island's harvested yet. But that NPR is the goal station. to use ingredients from the farm and all of the products that I make. So I will one day be using the elderberries from my farm. So it also has lemon, cinnamon, ginger, and cloves, and lots of raw honey in there. And the kids will take it willingly. So it's super high in vitamin C and antioxidants. It will cut their uh, the duration of their illness in half. So I, I have so many families in Hampton Bays who do know me. I used to uh, teach a gardening course at the local preschool. And uh, the moms there all know me. And when they need some more elderberry syrup for the kids, they send me a quick text and I actually deliver it. So um, just the other day, 
um, Miss Michelle, one of the teachers at the preschool, let me know that her daughter is has the sniffles and uh, she got it fresh out of the pot that night. I ran it over to her and her little girl took it right then and there. That's so beautiful. It's it's not it's again like what we were talking about last week. It's not just um, it's not just about farming. It's about community, and all of these people coming together, and growing things and and trading them or at farmers markets selling them and the local people buying them and the compass going back to the earth. It's just a, a beautiful cycle, and uh, and again we're coming back into that nap season. And listen, uh, that sounds like a good place for Alec to, <laughs> looks like he's getting his philosophical face on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm wondering again, like where, for anybody listening, where can they find these products? Okay, so as the farmer's markets are coming to a close, you can see me at the uh, Holiday Makers Market in Hampton Bays in the first and second weekend of December. Uh, I also have a website, sweetwoodlandfarm.com. And the East End Food Institute will have a virtual farmer's market all through the winter. So you'll be able to find my products on there. And I do ship, so you don't even have to be in the area. And I'll, I'll ship you your fire cider and elderberry syrup. Yeah. That That's wonderful. Good. And uh, you also have a Facebook page, right? Sweet Woodland Farm and Instagram. And we also have a Facebook page, Sundays on the East End. We if do. You <laughs> Alec is not on any social media at all, so he is so smart. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's smart, but it's uh, I it's it's all missing me, which uh, <laughs> kept my blood pressure down. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, we've been talking with Rachel Stevens of Sweet Woodland Farm here in Hampton Bays, and I want to thank our producer, our sound goddess Delaney Hafner, uh, for mixing this and bringing it out to you and we are here on WLIW FM 88.3. You can also listen to us online at WLIWFM.org. Uh, we are listener supported public radio. So if you feel like you want to make a little holiday donation, please do. You can do it through our, through our page. And uh, Alec, do you want to take us out with some thoughts? Yeah. You know, again, I hope everybody's had a good Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I hope uh, everybody enjoyed their, uh, their feast, uh, whatever form it took and uh, enjoyed uh, their loved ones in whatever form that took. And I think that as we move into winter, one of the things I love about nature and, and hearing Rachel talk is, is that there's, there's a lot of white noise that comes at you. There's a lot of stuff about politics. There's a lot of stuff about viruses that are unseen. There's a lot of all these things. But nature's always around us. It's a beautiful place that we live in. And uh, it, it, as, as we watch nature kind of take its nap uh, this winter, maybe we all can um, appreciate it a little bit more and, and appreciate each other a little bit more and realize that uh, we are all actually part of the same ecosystem. Uh, so anyway, I hope everybody has a good week. Uh, be well and stay well.